0: I'm Karen and I'm Michelle.
1: We're sisters and homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast, where we talk about family style homeschooling.
0: Hi, this is Michelle and I'm here with Karen. Hi. We are going to talk about creating a family school today. So we both have pretty large families. I have six children and Karen has four. And Part of the reason, probably the compelling reason, that we started doing family-style schooling is because of those large numbers of children. It just was too overwhelming to have each child doing every subject on their own and separately. But there are some other reasons that we're going to talk about today, too. Some of these, I think that, for me at least, I discovered these later, and I realized, wow, that's a huge benefit, and I'm so glad that I've done this kind of all along,
1: I think I started out of necessity also, but now after seeing the benefits, I realize even if I only had one kid, I would want to do it this way because learning together has been a massive positive in our homeschool. I think when it comes down to it, I know that I don't just want a homeschool. I want a family school. I love my kids. I love being around them. And it really makes me sad when I hear all of my mom friends right before school is going to start, when it's the end of summer, and they're all going, oh, one more week. They get to go back to school in one more week. I can't wait until my kids are gone all the time. And part of my heart breaks. I'm so excited for school, and I've got my school supplies ready, <laughs> and I'm, I'm jumping at the bit to spend more time with my kids learning, and they are experiencing the opposite. And I love our family school.
0: So I think... It's really important to create that culture of strong family ties. You want your kids to want to be with you, and you should want to be with your kids. And part of that is, you know, learning to be polite, learning each other's boundaries, teaching your children to be respectful. I think that that helps that you have a smoother family life as well as a smoother homeschooling life. So wanting to be together, though, and and you have to create that. You have to create this idea that we're going to enjoy each other, not like. Kids, we're going to enjoy each other. <laughs> but but just, you know, to foster this politeness and this consideration so that you actually do enjoy being together.
1: And I think part of that for my family is that besides school, we do a lot of fun things together. We don't just have a family school. We have a family all kinds of things. We do a lot of errands together. We watch TV together. We play games together. And so school is just another one of the things that we all do together. It's not the thing that they're forced to do together.
0: Yeah, but you're a little extreme. Let's admit it, because because you take all of your children grocery shopping.
1: I do. I do. It's taken years, but I've taught them to do well at the store, and now they actually help me, though. I can say, hey, you go get this, and you go get this, and it's actually a help to me to take them now.
0: I like just walking down the aisle, and someone is pushing the cart, and someone else is grabbing things off the shelf, and I'm just like directing. It's great.
1: One of my kids is my list checker. They have to check off when each thing enters the cart. They all have roles, but we do a lot as a family. I want to have a strong family. I love the idea of when my kids grow up, them all coming back with their kids and us having fun together and having family reunions. We have that. We've We've grown up in a family where every summer all of the aunts and uncles and cousins get together and we have a very close family and I want to continue that with my kids. So having a family school is part of that for me.
0: There are some real practical things that you can do to create this family school beyond your spending time as a family. Things that you can do during, you know, quote, school time. First of all, when you're reading aloud to your children, you can read the same book to all of them. It doesn't matter if you have a 16-year-old and a 5-year-old. They can still enjoy the same books if you choose them carefully.
1: I think even nonfiction books, we tend to say, oh, this is on this level or this is on this level. Sometimes you have to say, it's okay if this book is above her head. It's okay if this book is a little juvenile for him or for her. That's all right. We can all gain something from a lot of the books that we read of all levels.
0: So on our on the Layers of Learning website, we recommend several encyclopedias for history. And our very favorite is the Osborne Encyclopedia. And it is actually the lowest level. It's intended for younger children. But the first time that we read it, read through that encyclopedia, it was like, wow, all this stuff I didn't know. So often <laughs> Yes, you can learn from things no matter what level they're written on. Younger children can glean things out. Older children can can learn new information, even if it's a child's book.
1: I always tell people you would be so well educated if you read every book in the children's nonfiction section of the library. That is a massive education right there. And we shouldn't shy away from picture books, even with older kids.
0: Yeah. And one thing you can do to help your younger kids, if you're reading a book that's a bit over their head, is have something for them to do I My kids love to draw during reading time. We get out how to draw books and they all draw while I'm reading aloud to them. Another thing would be like Play-Doh or Legos, although those can be a little bit loud. It depends.
1: And you can also talk to your kids. You don't have to read and read and read and read. You can read and then you can pause and explain something or ask them questions and engaging them in the discussion. All kids of all ages... That's going to bring you together to a a level of understanding that might not happen if you just read a book straight through.
0: In Unit 4-9, it's about economics in the um, geography section. And the entire library list for that unit is picture books. And we have smileys for all ages on those picture books. And every picture book explains some aspect of economics. Things like supply and demand and limited resources and with unlimited wants. Concepts like that are taught through picture books. So there's not a limit to what you can learn. There's not a certain age group that a book has to be used
1: for. We just did that unit as a family not too long ago, just about a month ago. And when we did it, I know for a fact that my 16-year-old understood more of those economic principles than my 8-year-old did. But my 8-year-old understood a lot more than he would have if we hadn't done it together as a family, because he heard my 16-year-old's comments and my 14-year-old's comments, and we were all discussing and talking together about these economic principles, and he was introduced to ideas that he wouldn't have had on his own and wouldn't have probably listened to if I tried to jam economic principles down his head. But because we discussed these picture books as a family, it was really neat to see how everyone learned more because of the contributions of our whole family coming together over some picture books.
0: You can do the same thing with writing. It's a little different because usually you're not sitting there actually writing one collaborative paper together, but you can all have the same writing assignment. And then you adjust it for the abilities of your children. So for example, my 16-year-old son, I might tell him, okay, I want a one-page paper, a whole page filled up with dialogue between two different characters. And we're practicing dialogue. But my 12-year-old, I might tell him, okay, you only need to do a half a page. And then my youngest child, who is still not writing very independently, I actually won't have him do that assignment at all. Instead, he is doing draw right now, which he loves. He's still working on the mechanics of writing. He's copying. That's the stage he's at. So he doesn't actually do that assignment at all. But the three older ones do. And then when they're finished... With their assignment, we always read them aloud at the end of the week or at the end of whatever period when we're doing our writing assignment.
1: If you were learning about dialogue, it would be interesting to give him two puppets. And he might not be able to write, but he could still learn what dialogue is by making the puppets talk back and forth and then read to him from a book. Look, this is dialogue that's written. So there's a lot that kids can learn on their own level, the the same kinds of assignments, but differentiated to what they can do, and where they're at.
0: Yeah, that's a great idea of a way to do that, to include everyone in the same assignment. The important thing is just to
1: realize that, oh, we can have the same
0: assignments, but we just need to adjust it a little. And Karen, I know that you do the same grammar for your children. You guys have a writing workshop, and you will teach them the same grammar concept. The same thing is being taught to your high school kids as is being taught to your youngest kids.
1: Yeah, we have a mini lesson every day. So it's just a five-minute grammar lesson. It's really simple concepts, but we often take literature that we're reading, often our read-aloud book or something that we're reading for layers of learning for the units that we're on. And I will point out a grammar concept and then I have them practice that concept on their own level too. It's the kind of thing that it's only five minutes, even if a little one didn't get it, It wouldn't be the end of the world, and he's going to hear it again. They surprise me with how much they actually understand that I might not teach to the eight-year-old if he was on his own, but I just jump right in and teach them all, and it amazes me how much they get.
0: And the older ones can always use more practice with old concepts, even if they've learned it before.
1: If you actually look at grammar workbooks, like if you chose Spectrum, If you look at the first grade and then the second grade and the third grade, all of the way up through their high school level grammar workbooks, they actually recycle the same topics over and over and over again. And that's how we learn them. They make the sentences a tad bit more complex with each additional level, but it's the same basic concepts. We have the same grammar rules, the same comma rules, the same spelling rules. We go through them over and over and over. And that's how we learn them as we develop Our writing skills. So I just take those concepts, teach the concept, and then let my kids go write sentences where they practice those concepts. So my younger ones are going to write a lot simpler sentences than my older ones. But we can all learn the same concept.
0: And we do definitely have subjects where they're doing things completely independently. Math would be probably the strongest example of that. But even in math, my children have done things together. For example, we will all practice the times tables together. We will all do skip counting together. Sometimes I'll give them a challenge problem up on the chalkboard, and we're all working on that together. But for the most part, they do
1: have their individual levels of
0: math that they do on their own.
1: We have written work in the morning, and that's fine. They do their own... Things on their own level for the most part. But my favorite time is when we all come together at the big table and it's layers of learning time. And our layers of learning time is almost totally a family school time where we are all learning the same topic at the same time. They might have their individual writing assignments that are assigned on their level, or for example, their library books. In their individual reading, my older kids have tougher library books than the younger ones. But By and large, our layers of learning time is all collaborative as a family. We're working together all at the same time, all on the same topic, and that's awesome. So that actually goes right back to that practical aspect.
0: We actually wrote layers of learning to be family-style school because we have a bunch of kids, and we couldn't sit there and go, well... Um, The 10-year-old is doing Ancient Egypt right now, and the 6-year-old is doing American History, and he's on the Civil War. The 8-year-old, or did I already say 8-year-old? I can't remember how old my kids are now. Too many kids. (laughs) Too many kids. Anyway, they're all doing a different topic at a different time, and I'm supposed to do this how? I'm supposed to keep track of which library books to get? So we said, we're going to write this so that it works for an entire family. So you can actually all sit there, high school, clear down to the first grader, even have your toddlers joining in and everyone is working on it together. So we often will start out with reading or a video, one or the other usually. And that's kind of our intro. We'll grab a library book and we'll all sit there and read it together. I will usually read it to them and that way everyone is on the same page. And that's a starting point for our
1: discussions. And then we choose some explorations that we're going to do together. Sometimes I give my kids free choice. I actually get the unit booklet out and I say, hey, here are some options. And we quickly read through their options. It's actually amazing how much they learn just from reading the options about a topic. Sometimes we choose one that we'll all do together. Usually when we do that, I've actually pre-chosen You know, we're going to do this exploration and I have the supplies and we're going to make this craft or we're going to make a file folder project. Whatever it is that we're doing, I have it prepared. Alternately, I'll say, hey, kids, I'm going to open up these options to you. And very often, I'll let them each choose an exploration. So we're all learning about the same thing at the same table, but they're all kind of doing their own thing. And then they share together what they did at the end, share what they learned about.
0: It can be a lot more effective in many ways to learn it together. For example, in Unit 319, we acted out the Battle of Long Island. That unit is all about the American Revolution, the first year of the war. When we act out the Battle of Long Island, obviously, my 16-year-old doesn't mind playing war and running around the backyard with a pretend gun in his hands, and neither does my 10-year-old. They all like to do that. They all think it's fun. And since we're acting out an actual battle from real history, it's also a learning experience.
1: I think one of the important things to remember is that a lot of the projects and layers of learning aren't actually the things that are teaching you. Sometimes they are, but very often it's the books that are teaching you and then the projects are solidifying the learning. It's helping you remember what you learned about because your kids go, oh, remember when we acted out that battle? Maybe acting out the battle didn't teach them what happened in the battle. They already read about the battle. But acting out the battle helps them remember what they read about and connect it. And again, it also goes back to
0: that goal of creating that family dynamic that you want to create where people in your family, are enjoying one another's company. If you've played out the Battle of Long Island together, that's a memory you've created together. It's a time when you cooperated and you did something, hopefully without too much fighting.
1: (laughs) You're supposed to be fighting. It's war. It's war.
0: (laughs) Not that war. After we've done something like that, after we've done our reading, after we've done our project, then we will often give individual assignments to children based on their age and ability. I may tell my older three to go research one of the historical figures from the American Revolution and then write a biography of that person. But my youngest son, he's not really quite ready for that. I could help him with it, or we may just read together instead.
1: In science, we do the same thing. We will all do the demonstrations, the explorations, the experiments together We do most of the reading together or a lot of the reading together. After the experiment, my little ones have a worksheet that they fill out. It's a little printable that's on layers of learning that takes them through the scientific method and they get to write about what we did in the experiment and what they learned. My older kids have a much more formal experiment write-up that they have to do and they actually type it and It's the same experiment, and we learned the same thing, but I still have different expectations for the written portion at the end. So
0: within the layers of learning units, you will see these colored smileys, and they are leveled. So if you see a yellow smiley, that's intended to be for kids up to about age eight or nine. And then if you see a green smiley, it's for the middle grades kids from around... 10 until they're about 13, probably, or somewhere in that age range. And then the blue smileys are for high school for kids who are 14 and up. However, those are just kind of guides. They're there because if you have only younger kids, you're probably going to steer towards those yellow smileys. If you have only high school kids, you're going to steer towards the blue smileys. But many of those experiments or projects could be used for many ages. It's kind of like the reading books. Those levels are suggestion, and you can often adapt them for different ages. I kind of tend to ignore the smileys when I'm doing my planning because I have children in in pretty much all of those age ranges at the moment. But again, if I had only high schoolers, I would probably be going, well, let's just go towards those blue smileys.
1: Another way that we create a family school at my house is... I have my kids be buddies with each other. I pair an older with a younger. I've got a 16 year old who is buddies with my eight year old. So the two boys are together. And then my two girls who are 14 and 10, they are buddies together. And the older one reads to the little one, helps them write, teaches them. They do a lot of things together. And it's really neat to see how much the older ones learn from teaching and how much the little ones learn from looking up to their big siblings. It's been really fun in my homeschool to watch how the buddies cooperate. And they've gotten close as siblings because they they know their buddies. We have house points in our homeschool. And that's our long-running game where they're all competing for the house cup. It's based on our fascination with Harry Potter. But they're earning points all of the time for good behavior and for correct answers in our games that we play. And when they're doing buddy learning, they also get to earn house points. The two girls are a team, they are one house, and the two boys are a team, they are the other house. And so they get to earn house points and work together.
0: I have a question for you, though, Karen. So I love the family school and that's what we do. And we've, we've kind of done it all along. But what about people who have one child or maybe they're just homeschooling one of their children? How do you do a family school or can you do
1: a family school if it's only one child? This is what fascinates me because I think often of those only kids. I wonder, are they lonely in homeschool? Is that hard? And then you stop and you go, they're not lonely if mom and dad are learning with them. They're only lonely if they're sat down and having to do all of their work on their own. So family school works there too. Mom and dad have to be willing to be learners, not just teachers. If you're getting in and you're doing the project with your kid and you are reading the book with your kid and you are writing with your kid, that is a family school, even with an only child.
0: Yeah. And I think that there could be some challenges there that are, it's, it is a little different. I mean, practically speaking, it's going to feel different. So there are some other things that you could do if you have an only child. You can find a neighbor who is also homeschooling and maybe do a few things together, maybe one day a week or become part of a co-op and have your child have some of those group experiences. But the core of it is again, the family. So if mom is doing the learning with the child, if you're reading the same book together at the same time, you can discuss it. But if you're not, if mom isn't willing to do that, then that child just misses out on that discussion time and you don't have that shared experience. So I think it's important, whether you have many kids or just one, to have this concept that we're going to do this as a family. This homeschooling thing, this is a family
1: project. So we have an interesting dynamic in our family because my husband is a pilot, so he travels a lot. He's gone more than he's home, really. But dad is still very much a part of our homeschool. When he's talking to the kids on the phone, he asks them what they're learning about and he's involved and excited. And when he's home, he is a full-on participant. He comes up for our games that we play and he's ruthless during the games. I mean, <laughs> he does not go easy on them. He is competing and he wants his points too. And it's it's really fun to have mom and dad really be fully invested in it together. So if you can have that dynamic, that is an awesome thing for your kids. Another thing that my husband Bob does, he, he loves science a lot and he's not here to full-time teach science to the kids because of his work schedule, but he loves to do dinner science theater. So when he's home, he will randomly and sporadically pull out some weird science demonstration or experiment and over dinner, he's sharing with them some scientific principle. So I think the first one that I saw, and I'm pretty sure this is posted on our website,
0: is you did, or Bob did, a. Uh, tornado in a bottle
1: right he did that bottle had lemonade in it it was a two liter bottle we had lemonade and we had that for dinner and then he said hey let's make a tornado in a bottle and there was a demonstration by dad he's he's a really extroverted fun guy with a lot of ideas so i know not every single family has has a bob for a dad <laughs> <laughs> no 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 they don't but in any way that it works for your family. Get parents involved in the learning. Don't just give assignments. Learn with them. When I go to the library and I'm finding books for my kids to read on a subject, you know, filling our library book basket, I always look for a book for me to read on my level about that subject too. And we discuss that one right along with the picture books and right along with the the small chapter books that some of my kids are using. When we all come together and discuss, it is amazing how much we learn from each other because we have a family school. So
0: I think to create strong family ties and manage all of your kids' schoolwork more easily, it really helps to do this family style school. And some things that you can do are reading together, do projects together, discuss things together, write together, and then share what you've learned. If you've all gone off and done something independent, come back again and share what you've learned. And then you can adjust some assignments for your children, depending on their levels.
1: Well, I think that wraps up creating a family school. Next time we're going to talk about how homeschooling is a piece of cake. So you mean that's so easy, Karen? (laughs) Not quite so easy. Actually, we're going to talk about how we layer learning. Similar to a cake's layers, we're going to talk about layers of learning and what that actually means and how homeschooling is layered like a cake is layered. So homeschooling is a piece of cake. Sounds good to me. See you later. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Come and visit us at LayersOfLearning.com and on our Facebook group. Make sure to tune in next month for our new podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have Have fun fun learning. learning.